30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard It's four in the morning. You're warm and cozy in your bed when suddenly you're startled awake by a sound. It takes a moment for your sleepy mind to process what's happening, but then there's that sound again. A scritching, scratching, shuffling sound coming from the ceiling. The sound of little claws scraping across floorboards, thumping and scuffling as something works its way across your bedroom ceiling, doing Lord knows what. You lie there, now, utterly, inescapably awake, listening to this creature claw through your peace and quiet, invading not just your ceiling, but your soul. Finally, you fall back asleep, but now the creature has snuck into your dreams. You're haunted by the white face, dead eyes, and long rat tail of North America's only marsupial, the Virginia opossum. In this special episode of This Podcast is a Ritual, I'll tell the tale of what a 21st century wizard does when a wild animal invades his space, and how the power of magic helped me heal myself in the process as we learn how to catch a possum. got a two-word magic word today, which is play dead. So on the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three, play dead. Our tale begins in the late summer of this year, shortly after I moved into my new Kentucky home. I was up at dawn one day, working on some writing in my wizard study, when I heard a strange noise from outside my window. I peered out to investigate and saw a small possum scuttle along the gutter of my porch, then disappear into a hole at the end. It looked like someone slurping a spaghetti noodle as its tail vanished from sight. Huh, I thought. There's a possum living above my porch. Well, I guess that's a thing I'll have to deal with. But in the grand scheme of home improvements, evicting a possum wasn't high priority. Besides, I kind of always liked possums. It was about a week later that we learned the opossum was not confined to the porch. Somehow, some way, it was able to get up into the crawl spaces between our floors and had taken to roaming around above my bedroom ceiling, leading to the experience described in the introduction. This was considerably less cute than when I believed it to just be napping the day away above my porch, so after doing a little research, I decided I'd trap the little bugger myself. Now, for those of you new to the possum trapping biz, you can actually buy a humane small animal trap at most hardware stores. There are little cages that have a pressure-sensitive floor, so when the animal enters, the door swings shut behind it, 
and you've now successfully trapped your possum, raccoon, neighbor's cat, or what have you. Possums are scavengers, and the internet recommended baiting them with some canned tuna or cat food, neither of which we had on hand, so my fiancé defrosted some shrimps and threw on a dash of soy sauce to ensure it was flavorful enough to attract their interest, and the trap was set. The first morning, we checked the trap and nada. The second morning, I was making myself a cup of tea when I decided to take a gander, and I'll be damned if that little varmint wasn't sitting in the trap, looking annoyed and confused with its present predicament. I tossed the towel over the cage so we could sleep the day away. Since possums are nocturnal, it's not nice to release them during the daylight hours when they'll be disoriented and unable to take care of themselves. That evening, right before the sun went down, I drove my Appalachian intruder to a large wooded park several miles away and set it free. And of course, before I did, I put on my wizard robes and snapped a pic of us together because how could I not? It felt like a major leveling up of my Kentucky wizardry credentials. Now, while the physical possum slunk off into the forest never to be seen again, the impression it left behind continued to grow, both in the tale I'm now telling and the photographic evidence of our adorable possum and wizard selfie. I made a few wizard and possum posts on social media and almost considered asking my insanely talented artist friend Blue to do a sketch of us, but decided not to bother her. Of course, magic is a funny thing. Sometimes you have to work hard and summon all of the means at your disposal to manifest something, and sometimes stray thoughts just take it on themselves to do the work for you. Thus, to my surprise and delight, I received a DM several days later from my friend Blue, who, of her own accord, had decided to paint a magical portrait of me and the possum, which I then shared on social media, perpetuating the strange entanglement of my wizard identity and the lingering digital echo of this possum that had unwittedly stumbled into my home and now occupied a cherished place within my personal brand. The philosopher William James once said, we may be in the universe as dogs and cats are in our libraries, seeing the books and hearing the conversation, but having no inkling of the meaning of it all. I think about that quote whenever I come across internet famous animals, the grumpy cats and adorable dogs who have no inkling as to what the internet even is, yet despite their own ignorance, a worldwide web of human beings obsessively follow and monitor their every viral move. This possum who stumbled into my home has no idea what a wizard is, no clue that its portrait has been rendered by an artist living on the other side of the world. It really makes you wonder what strange fascinations the interdimensional archons have with our adorable little human civilization. Anyways, a wizard and a possum cross paths, a photo was taken, and the story should end here. And it would. If several weeks later my fiancé had not been startled awake at four in the morning to an eerily familiar sound, something scritching and scratching above our ceiling. But this time, we both immediately knew from the heavy thuds and thumps above us, it was a lot bigger. Now, seasoned possum trapper that I am, I prepared to take on this new foe, reminded of the epic of Beowulf who slays the monstrous Grendel, but then has to reckon with the far more formidable Grendel's mother, who comes seeking revenge. I set the trap in the same place where I'd previously seen success and baited it with a bit of tuna this time, patiently awaiting my imminent victory. 
But this possum was not only larger, it appeared to be smarter. Night after night, we heard it thumping and bumping in the crawl space above us, yet each morning, the trap was frustratingly empty. One afternoon, I checked it and saw I'd accidentally trapped a very confused and agitated squirrel, but to my dismay, the possum remained elusive. There must have been a brief lull, where the possum was quieter or maybe we were just busy and sleeping more soundly. But then one night, it woke us up and I could tell my partner was at her wit's end. Eventually, we got back to sleep, but when we woke up in the morning, she made it very clear that we couldn't keep sleeping in this room with the possum overhead or she was going to lose it. It was then that I realized, to catch this new foe, I'd need a more magical solution. Sun Tzu said, Know thy enemy and know yourself. In a hundred battles, you will never be defeated. So my first step in this magical war was to educate myself on the possum and its lore. First and foremost, you might have wondered already, what's the difference between an opossum and a possum? Well, dear listeners, the name opossum comes from an Algonquian word, wapathemawa, meaning white animal. The English settlers who colonized America's east coast wrote that up as opossum in English, and John Smith, yes, the John Smith of Pocahontas fame, even gave us one of the first English descriptions of the animal, stating in his book, Map of Virginia, with a description of the country, the commodities, people, government, and religion, in 1608, that an opossum hath a head like a swine and a tail like a rat, and is of the bigness of a cat. Under her belly she hath a bag, wherein she lodgeth, carrieth, and sucketh her young. And indeed, the possum does have a belly like a bag, since it's North America's only marsupial. If you see a possum in the United States or Canada, it's bound to be a Virginia opossum. But down in Central and South America, there's a range of species, some that even swim. And in Australia, which is rife with marsupials, there's another creature that the early Australian settlers saw and said, Oi, that looks like a possum, already being familiar with the Virginia variety. However, the Australian possum is another distantly related animal entirely. It's not the same species. So if you Google possum, you'll get a lot more results for Australia. But if we're talking specifically about the good old American Virginia opossum, well, people just call that a possum too, because it's easier to say. Today, the possum is not a particularly popular animal, with most people being more than a little freaked out by its ghoulish white face and long rat tail. And if those two features weren't enough, did you know that possums have 13 nipples? A dozen of them arranged in a circle with the 13th nipple in the center? Yeah, it's like the stars on the first American flag, except instead of stars, possum nipples. Aside from that, there was a brief and ultimately unsuccessful campaign to make the Billy Possum the successor to the teddy bear. You see, the teddy bear came from an incident where Teddy Roosevelt went hunting and took pity on a poor bear. This became a big news story with a popular cartoon that sort of went viral in that day, and a toy manufacturer immortalized it in the now ubiquitous child's toy. When Roosevelt's vice president, William Taft, ran for the presidency himself in 1908, a delegation of Southerners wanted to treat Taft to a real Southern meal on the campaign trail, 
So they hosted a lavish dinner where the main course was possum and taters, which is a whole cooked possum served on a bed of sweet potatoes. If you look in a Joy of Cooking from the 1970s or earlier, it will give you a recipe for cooking possum that starts with you trapping it and then feeding it on a diet of milk and cereal for 10 days, which is kind of mind-blowing to think that just in the 70s, a popular cookbook was telling you how to trap and then feed animals in order to slaughter them. Anyways, Taft gorged himself on the meal and declared possum to be to his liking. And the savvy Southern Political Committee had already conspired with a local company to produce Billy Possums, which was a stuffed possum they believed would sweep the nation just as the teddy bear had done previously. Of course, while Taft did win the presidency, the Billy Possum was far less successful, and it is the rare child today who gets tucked into bed besides a stuffed possum. But of course, the most common association we have with possums is not as failed presidential swag, but plain possum, that unique defensive strategy of feigning death to confuse one's enemies and avoid further harm. The interesting thing about plain possum, I learned, is that it's no act. When a possum is frightened or in danger, its nervous system automatically shuts down, dropping it instantly into this death-like trance. At the same time, it has glands that emit a foul smell, so most animals that aren't interested in eating rotting carcasses will seek more lively prey, not wanting to risk an upset tummy from eating funky possum. So, armed with my newfound appreciation for the possum's rich history and lore, I prepared a ritual. I set the trap with new fish, sardines this time, in a location that felt more auspicious, according to my wizardly intuition. Then I bade my partner to join me by candlelight so we could commune with the great possum spirit by eating some sardines and crackers ourselves, thanking the possum for sending its messenger, but asking it kindly to respect the boundaries of our home now that we've received the message. Magic words were spoken, sardines were eaten, and we brought the ritual to a close. Soon after, I stepped outside to check the trap and there was the largest possum I'd ever seen, sitting serenely in the cage. Again, magic is funny. I don't like to approach it as a transactional strategy or a power grab, but rather a reciprocal way of working with the world and understanding its ebbs and flows. The possum problem was not just about getting rid of an annoyance, but stopping to ask ourselves, what the natural world might be trying to tell us in truly listening to its message. And in my own interpretation, I think its message is more or less the same as today's magic words. Play dead. The wily possum knows that in the face of danger, the best action can be inaction. Wu-wei or non-doing is an invaluable ally in these times when normal activity renders us vulnerable to disease and danger. The possum is a white-faced psychopomp guiding us towards the transcendental bliss of feigned death, the tricky subterfuge of confronting an enemy with neither fight nor flight, but a mysterious third way. Play dead. We often think of matters of life and death as serious business, as quite literally not a game. 
But while the possum's biological response might be automatic and unconscious, the phrase it offers us, play dead, seems to speak to so much more. In fact, I think there's more there than I want to even unpack for you. So I'll leave you to interpret the possum's message and the words play dead in whichever ways feel right and resonant with you. But the last part of our story takes us back to that strange fork at the edge of the park where for a second time I watched a physical possum trod off into the underbrush while the archetypal possum, the great possum spirit, stayed with me. Joking about catching a second possum on social media, I riffed on the once omnipresent shepherd fairy Andre the Giant has a posse sticker, stating instead, Devin the Wizard has a possum. And I realized that, just like how Andre the Giant has taken up a posthumous position in our collective psyche, staring out from hooded sweatshirts and billboards boasting of his mysterious posse, that by taking my brush with these possums and translating them into icons and artifacts, I could pass their magic along, helping the great possum spirit deliver his message to a wider audience. So when life gives you possums, make possum horcruxes. I made possum horcrux stickers. They're real, and you can get them on my website, which I'll link to in this episode's description. Each sticker is a portal into the possum spirit world. A little sliver of this story that I've just shared about how nocturnal marsupials invaded the liminal space above a wizard's head, crawled into his dreams, and delivered a vital message for these strange times. An unorthodox strategy that asks those of us who want to live to learn how to play dead.
children come, just pass them. Come to the heart, oh, come, just pass them. Come, just pass them, children come, just pass them. Come to the heart.